Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we te- share life and leadership skills with teens and their parents. I'm your host, Hudson, and today we're releasing a special Veterans Day edition podcast. About a year and a half ago, I had a conversation with one of our favorite veterans, Mr. Jack O'Brien. This interview wasn't recorded specifically for a podcast because we didn't know we were going to have one back then, so the audio is going to be different than the intro and outro because we recorded those after. So, Mr. Jack is a wise man who loves to see people succeed, and he's now 90 years old and loves to play a good game of golf and is still going strong. I know you you will love and enjoy this podcast, and he gives some great advice in it. Today I'm interviewing Mr. Jack O'Brien. Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood or career? Yes, my childhood was very difficult. I grew up in the <clears throat> slums of North Boston. We were extremely poor, didn't have any money or clothes or toys. It was a very difficult life. And of course, this is in the 30s, which is right after the Depression. So uh, my childhood was rough, but I learned a lot. When you have to struggle in life, that gives you an advantage in the future. It gives you some inner strength that you would not normally have if you grew up in a society where everything was handed to you. So uh, everything in my childhood was about work, work ethics. It was extremely important. And uh, I went to work at the age of eight selling newspapers. I would do that for about two years. After that, I, in the wintertime, I would shovel snow when I was 10 years old. When I was 12, I had a major change in my thinking and my life because my, my father was a hard worker, and that's all he ever thought about, is working hard. And uh, uh, the neighborhood I lived, had, lived in had a, a mom-and-pop store just a little grocery store. And the key things in that grocery store for boys, for little boys, was they had ice cream. And I never had an ice cream. And I was 12 years old. And uh, I couldn't afford it, no one else could either. But then all of a sudden they got this new product in. It was orange sherbet. an ice cream cone cost five cents, but a sherbet cone cost two pennies. And my friend somehow got two pennies, and he got a sherbet cone, and he let me have a taste. Oh boy, that was good. So I went home and I said to my father, Pop, can I have two pennies to buy a sherbet cone? And he looked at me. He said, now you've done it. You're talking about your wants instead of your needs. You get a job today. You get down to Hunt's Restaurant downtown, about a mile away. You get down to Hunt's Restaurant, and you go down there, and you get yourself a job. Pop, I don't know how to do that. He said, you go and you talk to the manager and ask him for a job. Tell him you can do anything. So I trudged down there. The manager wasn't there. The assistant wasn't there. So I asked him for a job, and he laughed at me. And he said, come back in a couple of years. So I trudged home, 
my father said, you get the job? I said, no, he told me that I too young. Did you talk to the manager? No, he wasn't there. Get back down there and you get yourself a job. If you don't get a job, I'm gonna whip you. So, he, and I said, I, I, I don't know what to say. He said, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out on the way. So I trudged back down and the manager was there and I went in and I talked to him and I started to cry. I said, sir, I have to have a job today and I can do anything. I will do a better job than anyone in your company. And if I don't do the best job, you don't have to pay me. He said, kid, I like your spunk. I want you to be the floor washer. You're gonna wash floors. So I go back home and I tell my father I got the job, the big job, 40 cents an hour. So he said, well, uh, that's good, but here's the point. I want you to work hard, so hard that he makes you stop working. So I had to figure that out. And I get down on my knees and I was scrubbing the floor. I would turn the tables upside down and scrape the gum off the bottom because most people stick a gum on the bottom of the table when they go to eat. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, uh, one of the assistants said, hey kid, you get 10 minutes break every hour. No, I went right through that. I wouldn't take a break. So when I went home, I told my father I was doing a good job. He said, I know, but did he make you stop working to take a rest? I said, I didn't take a rest. He said, well, continue doing that. Two days later, the manager is sitting at the table. He tells the waitress, you go over there and get that kid and you tell him to come over here and sit down with me and bring him a glass of iced tea. So I went over there and I sat down and he said, you stay here until I tell you to get up. So I went home that day and told my father what happened. He said, now son, you're right on target. You own him. That was the philosophy in those days. You had to work. So I never stopped working from the time I was 12 years old until I was 82. That's the kind of life. Of course, what was instilled in me is work is important. Giving the full measure is important. Doing the very best you can, no matter what it is. And that was uh, how I started as a young person. So my next question is, what historical event do you remember the most? What is the what? What historical event do you remember the most? Oh, it's easy. World War II. The ending of World War II. It was such a time of country pride and uh, everyone loving soldiers and sailors and marines and airmen. It was, the military was the very best and everyone was so elated. They have a lot of parades in every community and they welcomed home all the veterans. It was, it was really an astounding experience. Well, my next question is, what are you most proud of? Bow my knee to Jesus Christ. That was significant for me. Dying to self and accepting Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And uh, turning control of my life over to him. So, but I was a very proud person. 
I was in the military, very highly decorated. And, uh, you know, my thinking was, if it's to be, it's up to me. I can do anything. I don't need, I don't need God because I'm a strong individual and I can do anything by myself. Then uh, I started reading the Bible. And it just so happened, I went to, I opened the book of the Bible to read it and it landed on Job 38. Now here was the contest. Who's gonna control my life? Is it gonna be me with all my talent? Or is it gonna be Jesus Christ? So when I started to read Job 38, it said, how will the earth's dimensions determine? What forces this cornerstone? Who caused the angels to shout for joy? Have you ever once told the morning to appear or caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you ever told the daylight to, to go to the ends of the world, ends of the world? And things like that. Have you ever robed the dawn in red, disturbed the haunts of wicked men, or caused an arm raised to strike? When I started to read in, in, in those terms, the qualifications of the Lord over my puny qualifications, I had to surrender. And I placed my trust in him. And that's, I walked circumspectly with him every day of my life. If you could go back and give your younger self advice, what would you say? Do not let others define your life. Mm -hmm. If you do that, they'll always define it too small. You have to accept the fact that you're responsible for yourself. And I'll give you an example. I won't let anyone define me. <coughs> I know who I am and I know where I'm going. So when I was uh, in the military, I was a sergeant, a master sergeant. And this is how you could go in those days. And I wanted to go higher. So I went to my commanding officer who was a, a lieutenant. And I said, I'd like to go to officer's candidate school and become an officer. And he looked at me and he said, Sergeant O'Brien, you're probably one of the greatest soldiers I've ever seen, but you just don't have polish. And he refused to let me go. I transferred out of there and went to Germany with a unit and uh, very successful in that unit. And I didn't go to the commander there. He came to me and he said, Sergeant O'Brien, you've got what it takes. I want you to go to OCS, Officers Candidate School. So I went and I graduated number one. And then I went through my career. I became a second lieutenant, a first lieutenant, and then I started getting promoted ahead of my contemporaries. I was promoted to captain, then I was promoted to major, and I was in Vietnam for the third time, and I had to go to the rear to have a dental appointment because I was out in the bush fighting, you know. So when I went to the rear, uh, there was a little cafeteria and I looked over there and looked and I looked and I saw 
it was the lieutenant who denied me. And interesting to note, since I was promoted ahead of my contemporaries, I was a major, he was only a captain. So I approached him and I said, Captain Cipriano, good to see you. And he looked at me and he was shocked. He said, how could this happen, sir? And I said, I guess it's because I have polish. I didn't let him define me. He wanted to make me subservient. He wanted to me to stay in my position where I was. But no one's going to define me. I'll define me. Were there any events or people that changed the direction of your life? Absolutely. My home life was really bad in the time frame when I was 12 years old, in that time frame. Because uh, we didn't have any money. My friend had a free pass to the YMCA. No one could afford to go to the YMCA. They had a swimming pool, they had a track, they had all kinds of uh, uh, gym equipment. I heard about it, but I'd never been in one. And so my friend gave me this pass. I think it cost a quarter. Anyway, when I got in that, when I got in that gym, I went crazy. I wanted to try everything. I was on the parallel bars, the rings, and I was running around, and then went into the pool. I could swim in the pool. And more importantly, I could take a shower. Because in my home, we didn't have hot water. So, that was so exciting to me. And through the window, the, the athletic, athletic director was watching me. And his name was Charlie Tishoff. He was an Olympic uh, star in gymnastics. Anyway, he said, come here, kid. And I went over. He said, relax. I mean, you're going crazy in here. You're going to burn yourself out. And I said, this is the first time I've ever been in a gym, first time I've ever been in a swimming pool, and first time I've had hot water. And he started to talk to me, and he asked me about my past, about what was going on, and I told him my father was an alcoholic and a drunk, and he didn't care about me. He spent all our money on, on booze, and uh, so he kind of took me under his wing, and he said, I like your zeal. I like the way you hang it, the way you uh, operate. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you a membership. And he gave me a membership in the Y. I ended up on the basketball team, the swimming team. And when they had senior events, uh, in those days, they had these basketball leagues uh, for grown men. And when I would go to that, he would make me sit next to him. And, you know, he would talk to me, counsel me, tell me to, you know, work hard to be my best self. And he, he put himself into my life and changed my thinking. Not so much about being in the gang and fighting and all that stuff, but by 
given that a, a full measure, that you're gonna you're gonna make it big time. So that was that was pretty influential. What advice would you give to younger kids today? How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have several things every day in the jungles of Africa. The gazelle wakes up and he starts to run. He runs because his arch enemy, the lion, is out there. So the gazelle's action for the day is to run. Also, early in the morning, the lion wakes up. His goal for the day is to kill a gazelle. And he has to do it by being sly and slick. And he can hide, search out the crowd of gazelle to see if there's a weak one or a sick one in the crowd. And he starts running. So the gazelle starts to run and the lion starts to run. So it doesn't make any difference if you're a lion or a gazelle. You, you run. That's your job, to run every day, to run and do your best. That's one issue. Another one is I would, I would tell young people, if you want to be successful, there's three things that you have to do. You have to have passion for something. Second thing is you have to practice that passion. How much practice? 10,000 hours. And the third thing is, what you have to do is to perform. Hard work. That's what it is. You can't get to the top if you don't have those three in mind. I'll give you an example. Bill Gates, when he was a sophomore in high school, found out that they had a computer at the university. He, he went to the university and he started just hanging around watching these people on the computer and he was really excited about it. He loved it. It was intriguing to him. And he had good ideas as only a sophomore in high school. And he was, he was not only learning, he was teaching to college students. I mean, on the side, not uh, formally. The computer lab shut down at nine o'clock at night. And they said to him, if you want to come in and work a computer, come on and do it. You can work it after nine o'clock. So here he is, only a sophomore in high school. And his mother used to say, I can't get him out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah, because he snuck out and he went to the university and played with the computer in the evening. Uh, so, he got his practice in. The rest was hard work. He had a passion for computers. He uh, practiced diligently and hard work. And now, he's got a few bucks. He's, he's pretty well off. Tell you another story. The Beatles. You ever hear the Beatles? The Beatles were nothing 
in England. They couldn't get a job. They sloughed through, they practiced sound, but they could not get a steady job. There was too much competition. So they decided to go to, to Germany. And they found a nightclub that would stay open all night. And they couldn't get a band to play because it was too late at night. So they were able to get a steady job and they worked late at night, all through the night, playing. The passion for performing, right? Passion uh, for doing their singing and practice. They got plenty of practice playing all night and hard work. They continued and continued. They didn't lay down on the job, they just continued. Then they got a invite to come to America, the rest is history. They had passion, right? They practiced and hard work they performed. That is, I think, the best, my best explanation as far as how to be successful and don't let anyone define you. Uh, I have a couple of sayings here that I want you to remember. He who conquers others is strong. He who conquers himself is mighty. And another one is an army of monkeys led by a lion can defeat an army of lions led by a monkey. So you need to be a lion. Okay? Okay. Thank you for letting us interview you, Mr. Uh, Jack. My pleasure. And I know that you're going to be successful. I can see it in your spirit and I can see it in your handshake. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Mr. Jack O'Brien. He's definitely lived an exciting life and he has had many challenges, but those challenges have given him wisdom. And he shared some of that wisdom with us today on the podcast. If you like our content, we would love it if you would subscribe to our podcast. We also want to remind you that we have a private parent Facebook group called the Raising Confident Teens Community. And that's where the parents like to hang out. We hope you have a good rest of the week. And that's it. So see you later.